Welcome to the NPS MedicineWise podcast, helping health professionals stay up to date with the latest news and evidence about medicines and medical tests. Yeah, hello, I'm Steve Morris, CEO of uh, MPS MedicineWise, and welcome again to the MPS MedicineWise podcast. And today I have a repeat offender with me, Professor Andrew McLaughlin from the University of Sydney. Hi, Andrew. G'day, Steve. I think this is your third appearance in our podcast series. I've, uh, I did one with you and also a strain prescriber as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, thank you again uh, for taking the time. Uh, look, we just want to have a bit of a chat around uh, a number of uh, key issues, including national medicines policy, medicine safety and health literacy. So just to kick off, obviously, as you'd be aware, recently it was announced that there'd be a commencement or perhaps a recommencement of the review of the National Medicines Policy, uh, which was originally announced way back in October 2019. And it's due now to begin in August 2021. And what we know of the review so far is that there will be a a stakeholder consultation process and a call for public submissions to support the review. So I suppose, Andrew, the first question I have is, uh, why should our listeners uh, remotely care about the National Medicines Policy? Um, you're, You're right, Steve, as always, it's a good question, because talking about policy is certainly a great sedative and can even be a laxative at times. But look, having said that, national medicines policy has been in place for over 20 years and really does provide the overarching framework for many things we do every day in healthcare and really about the fabric of how we make decisions. So it also sets out, of course, how Australians uh, or what Australians can expect from medicines and healthcare. So that's about affordable access to medicines that are high quality, safe and effective from a a viable and responsible medicines industry. And of course, when we use a medicine, aligning with all those QUM principles that we see the benefits and avoid the harms. Yeah, so would you encourage um, some of our listeners to consider making a submission or to encourage other people to make a submission? Look, I would. And you mentioned the idea of stakeholders and stakeholder consultation is a critical part of it because at the very core of the national medicines policy are the people, the healthcare Uh, consumers, uh, and around that, of course, are the healthcare professionals that are looking after them. Uh, And when we look at our broader medicine system, a lot has changed in the last 20 years about the type of medicines, the type of system that we're in, and even, of course, things like the cost of medicines, and even consumers and how they think about medicines, which has been probably changed forever by COVID. Uh, So that new context becomes very, very important when it comes to reshaping what the national medicines policy should look like in the future. And if you don't respond, you can't influence, Andrew. That's right. You've got to be at the table uh, to uh, be part of the conversation. I think that's an important message, Steve. Yeah. And just picking on something you mentioned around COVID, obviously you you published an article in Australian Prescriber uh, back in February 2020, uh, which you called National Medicines Policy 201, A Vision for the Future. And that, strangely enough, was recorded pre-COVID. Um, so, so, so what's changed because of COVID and how you think the health system's adapted during that period? Yeah, so maybe um, when I think about that article, which was kind of timely, much, as, much of what we wrote with Parissa Roslani, I think is still valid. Uh, but some things certainly have changed and actually some have come to pass. So maybe I'll, I'll touch on three things that are relevant from, from that particular article. So one thing we touched on there was the idea of pharmaceutical nationalism and we've seen this play out with COVID Uh, and there's been calls of course in the media for Australia to retain or to develop its sovereign capability in medicines manufacture and we've seen that of course vaccine development but it equally applies to many uh, essential medicines 
The other one is to have secure and robust supply chains to ensure that Australians can actually get the medicines they need. So medicine shortages is a continuing emerging theme, and this was really emphasised, of course, during COVID. So that's one. Uh, We've already touched on the idea of health literacy, and I think the last 18 months have really changed forever the way people think about medicines and the, the common parlance around drug development, around side effects of medicines. Imagine talking to your mum about mRNA vaccines and what they do. I mean, these are things that uh, have really changed the, the discourse around medicines as health interventions and, of course, the importance of, of science when it comes to making decisions uh, in public policy. The number of people who seem to be experts on, uh, you know, the ability on, on different uh, aspects of viral spread is really quite amazing. And the very last one, which I think is interesting, is the role of the medicines industry, the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, and, and really, this has been highlighted as very, very important in bringing medicines to market that the world needs. And of course, now the names of companies like Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, uh, you know, these are on, and CSL, of course, are on the lips of people. Uh, and what I really think is interesting about this common uh, conversation is that people no longer use the word vaccine. They say things like, uh, I had my Pfizer this morning, or I'm having my AstraZeneca next week. So those sort of three areas of ability to make medicines here in Australia and access them, health literacy, and of course, the medicines industry, I think are three things that certainly have changed, uh, all really um, ramped up since we wrote our article. Yeah, absolutely right, Andrew. Look, I never thought in a million years I'd have a conversation with my own father for 20 minutes about how he believed he'd received a superior vaccine to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and quoting literature, papers, and what he'd read over over <laughs> a long period of time. Um, so I think it has fundamentally changed that kind of discourse around, around medicines, which in, in many ways can, can be a positive thing. Oh, of course. Uh, I think also just on that, um, your father, obviously a notable scholar and a person who dives into the literature, it's really important to appreciate as well, now more than ever, at our fingertips related to these vaccines, for example, you know, there's uh, all the clinical trials, which were very robustly uh, and rigorously assessed, so we have a lot of confidence in them. But, you know, now at the end of April, it was estimated there are 600 million people who received vaccines for COVID. And of course, most of those have been tracked around efficacy and safety. There's a really good article coming out in the Medical Journal of Australia soon, David Henry, it's online early. Uh, now David Henry and team looked at the real world evidence. And, and this is a really important area of understanding. Not only does it work from a clinical trial, but does it work in practice? Uh, and that new dimension is now very um, front of mind when it comes to translating, is there a difference between the vaccines? And I saw from that article, there's not when it comes to you know, preventing serious harm and illness and maybe some subtle variations between them, but all of them are substantially better than most vaccines that we've ever, ever had really uh, used therapeutically previously. Yeah. Look, and just to pick on that whole health literacy issue, Andrew, I mean, what we described is obviously conversations occurring about side effects and risks and harms, uh, benefits of medicines, which probably never happened to this degree uh, in the past. So potentially a good thing for health literacy and public awareness, but how do we make sure we make the, the most of this opportunity to, to really do more around health literacy and public awareness? Yeah, Steve, I, I, what worries me the most about this development trend, and you really put your finger on it, is the lack of balance, especially in some sections of the media. Um, and I really think healthcare professionals have a vital role to really lead the conversation uh, uh, with balanced information. Uh, and for me, uh, this comes down to a couple of elements in many ways. 
First of all, we're encouraging people to ask their healthcare professional, doctor or pharmacist. We also have to make sure healthcare professionals expect to be asked and want to be asked about providing information. Uh, and we think about the, the mantra of um, shared decision-making, which is you know, best practice when it comes to QUM. Uh, it's, a, it's really that idea of no decision about me without me. So when it comes to communicating harms and benefits, uh, the healthcare professional needs to be up to date. And I just spoke about the real world evidence, which continues to emerge. We need to know the most current evidence and information. So we do have to follow that. And then it probably starts by understanding and addressing an individual's concerns. So rather than just a download of info, understand what they already know and try and address any major concerns. And then use a format that's accessible to them. So it might be some people are numbers, you know, they want quantitative data. Others like graphics. There's some really good apps out there as well, which allow people to fiddle around and say, what if, uh, as well. Uh, and then comparative examples. And we've seen quite a few of these in the media where people have said, comparing this to other types of activities. I suppose the last thing I'd say around this is that it's very important we don't dismiss concerns, but we listen to them and try and respond in a balanced way, not only about the possible harms, but also help people appreciate the benefits, not just to them directly, but to the broader community. And, and that's very relevant when it comes to vaccines. So, so what you're saying, Andrew, it's, it's incumbent on uh, many of our listeners and health professionals per se to do what they can to try and explain risk that's, that's in the context of the understanding of that individual consumer and patient. Yeah, that's right. So we know that um, uh, there's a whole range of health literacy and understanding that people have in the community. Of course, add on to that people, you know, different culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds, and, and then, uh, you know, all sorts of levels of understanding and misconceptions. So I find it um, better, and certainly when we're training pharmacists, we, we talk about topping up information and correcting, you know, misunderstandings rather than necessarily just doing a, a data dump or download. Uh, and that, that's obviously tailoring the message for that individual to understand better. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and look, maybe uh, one final question um, on national medicine well, or reflection on national medicines policy it is unique to australia isn't it as far as i'm aware having that kind of policy in place uh actually the world health organization has really led this internationally and there's been a big move for many countries around the world to take on national medicines policy how it's embedded in our health system i think is quite unique and if you read the budget papers another great read you know if you're looking for something interesting to do on a saturday work your way through the budget papers each time a budget comes out you know, that the funding for healthcare is directly linked to our national medicines policy. But many countries around the world have a policy and actually many have crafted their policy, particularly in the Asia-Pac region uh, on the Australian policy. Thanks for that, Andrew. Uh, I'm just going to change tack slightly and maybe talk about a broader issue of medicine and safety. Sure. Look at a, a week or so ago, at the end of June, um, there was a report from the Medicine Safety Forum, uh, which was set up to inform Australia's 10th national health priority area. Uh, and that was published by a consortia of uh, leading medicine safety experts, including MPS MetaWise and the University of Sydney, uh, Monash University, Consumer Health Forum, PSA and SHPA. And the report really endorses, well, and calls for um, action to turn the tide on unsafe medicine use to better protect Australians against preventable harm. So how do we turn that tide, Andrew? What's the key message from that report? Yeah, so this report really was that um, bringing together the minds and experience of uh, multiple stakeholders, and as you say, it's people from across the sector. Um, I was lucky enough with the Monash University to lead the write-up of that report and bring together some of those insights. 
Uh, so they're really, uh, to cut to the chase, there are about 10 recommendations that are embedded there. And, and really they focused on uh, systems issues that are, can address preventable harms from medicines. And they included particularly garnering the experience of consumers, which hasn't always been in the discourse around medication safety. Uh, there was a call for setting up medication safety targets, measuring things that matter, uh, quality indicators so that we can track them over time, and also benchmarking to make comparisons. I think the, the other part of this was better targeting of medicines we know to be at high risk and individuals, people who are most vulnerable and the situations they find themselves in. And much of that uh, aligns with the World Health Organization's Global Patient Safety Challenge Medication Without Harm. And that sets a, the laudable target of reducing preventable harm to medicines by 50% over five years. So this is a really important document, which I think will feed very nicely into the National Medicines Policy uh, Review that, that we've started talking about today. Um, but it also put consumers right back in the heart of this conversation. And I, I think that's something we're really proud of. Yeah, so Andrew, strategically, you know, we've got the focus on the 10th National Health Priority Medicine Safety, the review of the National Medicines Policy. So, you know, a real opportunity for people to try and be involved and influence uh, future focus and, uh, and strategic action. Yeah, most definitely. Thanks again, Andrew, for participating. I've got one final question for you related to risk. Yep. Uh, what is the risk of England losing to the Ukraine uh, in two days' time? Well, usually what I do there is uh, gather some uh, uh, evidence and information from a credible expert such as yourself. Uh, I know that you normally do a Bayesian analysis of uh, all of the goal-scoring opportunities over the last 50 matches. Uh, I'm not sure if you want to share that results now or save it for another podcast, but uh, I know, I, like you, I'll be watching with white knuckles of excitement. Uh, and there's been so many great matches in the Euro uh, already, and I'm sure there's more to come and uh, go England. Yep, and I, my prediction is 2-0. And by the time that this podcast released, the game will have been played. So <laughs> we'll see whether my prediction is accurate. But yeah, thanks again for your time, Andrew. My pleasure. Thanks very much. Okay. Yeah, thanks for listening. And look, I'd just like to take this opportunity to say, uh, look, this is my last um, podcast. It's CEO of MPS Medicine Wise. I'm, I'm moving on. Um, but look, I really enjoyed doing this podcast, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to them. And look, it is a really opportune time to raise and discuss issues around national medicines policy and medicines issues. I think there's a real opportunity to, to improve outcomes for consumers relating to the quality of meds. And it is really incumbent on all of us to do what we can. And hopefully I'll still be involved in, in medicines in some way. But I encourage you all to do what you can in the role that you have to improve outcomes for consumers related to QUM. Okay, I hope you have enjoyed listening. Goodbye. For more information about the safe and wise use of medicines, visit the NPS MedicineWise website at nps.org.au.